Hey everybody, this is Zach Call. Thanks for downloading and listening to this episode of the Crown Town Cast. You're about to listen to a live show broadcast on YouTube. Our very first one, I thought it went really, really well. Had a few of you guys out on Twitter and chat asking a few questions. Thank you for listening live for those of you who were. If you didn't, make sure that you are following us on Twitter at Crown Town Soccer to find out when we are going to do more of these live shows. I really enjoy this format and would love to be able to open it up to your phone calls, your tweets, your live questions, be able to answer them on the air. So make sure you are following us and keeping an eye out. But coming up in this episode, we're talking about Memorial Stadium. We're talking about Ramblewood Stadium. We're talking about the Matthews Sportsplex. It's all about stadiums, answering a few of your questions, talking about Swansea City game uh, earlier in the week. We're also going to be listening to a pre-recorded interview that I did with the Mecklenburg County Director of Parks and Recreation, Jim Gargis. He's the guy leading the project on the memorial renovations. Talked to him. Got to find out a couple of the next steps. Got to find out a little bit behind the scenes of just how long this project has been in the making. And I think you want to stay in till the very end to hear some, a juicy bit of news. So here comes the Crown Town Cast Season 2, Episode 12 with Jim Gargis and you. From Charlotte, North Carolina, you're listening to the Crown Town Cast, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now, here are your hosts, Zach Hall and John Horn. But I figure let, let's start up at the top and let's talk about last night and the game against Swansea City. Um, I think. <laughs> I have a pretty funny story that I feel like you guys will especially appreciate. I took my friend Ken, uh, bought tickets and offered him uh, my other seat and um, we kind of worked out a deal. He w- lives out in Gaston County and with Rimblewood kind of like easily halfway if not closer to his house in Gaston County than it is to my house in, in Matthews decided to just let him drive and use my parking pass and I would Uber home. Try to be a nice guy giving the, you know, given the first, first trip. And I kind of knew that there might be some shenanigans going on at Ramblewood. So wanted to, you know, make it as nice as possible for him. So hop in the car. Uh, we worked together at the office, hop in the car. I kind of forget to kind of tell him where to go. Like we're just chit chatting um, hanging out and <laughs> we start driving and we, we drive up independence, which is like, uh, it's perfectly acceptable way to get to Ramblewood. So I didn't even think about it. As we get closer to the city, I realize that he's staying in the right hand lane and he's, <laughs> he turns on his signal to get off on Charlottetown Avenue. I was like, Hey, where, where are you going? And he was like, don't, this is usually how I get there, you know, take Charlottetown and then the stadium is, is right there. And I was like, oh, Ken, we're, we're not playing the game at Memorial. This is easy. Ah, man, it's a year and a half and there are still people out there that think that the team is playing their games in, in Memorial have no idea that Rimblewood even exists. And that just sucks. That sucks really bad. So I had to kind of like catch him and we ended up, it ended up taking us longer than we really probably could have taken to get to Ramblewood. But luckily we left pretty early trying to get those, one of those 500 free t-shirts, uh, that we got. We did eventually get there. There, we were easily within probably the first hundred people at the stadium got there at like 530 probably. Gates opened at five. We walk up, uh, we, we parked kind of at the very like back of the, of the parking lot because I mean, barely anybody had gotten there yet. So we, we park and we walk up to the gate closest to us, maybe 50 yards down from where we parked. The lovely officials there were very nice and very apologetic, (laughs) but basically said that that gate that they were working at didn't open for six until six. So an hour after the normal gates opened that we needed to walk to the opposite corner of the stadium 
to be able to walk in. We said, sure, no problem. Don't really understand that problem. Sure, fine. So we walk. Uh, it's hot. Sun is out. Humidity is up in, in Charlotte yesterday and, and really like the past two weeks and looks like it's going to continue for a while. But we walk to the other side. Hand our tickets to some very nice ladies. Scan our tickets. Wish us, uh, wish that we'd enjoy the game. We said thank you so much. We walked up, saw a bunch of Jackson Militia folks sit, uh, sitting under a tent. Said hello, and uh, hey, like where are we? Where do we get these free T-shirts? Oh, you have to walk to the opposite side of the stadium. Uh, yeah, they opened up this gate, but left all the T-shirts uh, at the main. Con- Concourse is a a nice word, but I'll call it a concourse at the concourse. So we say sure. It, again, this is the corner that we walked to, saying that the gate was closed until six. I think we I think we ended up just on the wrong side of the gate. I think if had we parked uh, near the entrance, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But anyway, so we walk uh, walk to the front. Uh, the nice person running the t-shirt tent asked me my size i said xl handed me an xl my friend ken smaller guy than me asked for a medium i'm sorry we're out of mediums out of mediums already like we we just started uh we opened the gates at five o'clock sir she she was a little snarky not gonna lie but yeah like we're within the first hundred people was everybody everybody who came in were medium apparently Either that or they know that soccer fans are generally, they might be a little larger than mediums. I don't know. So he had, I think he ended up getting a small, kind of deciding to like cut the sleeves off, probably make it a gym tee. Um, so now it's 545. We're still, uh, you know, independence. It takes about 15 minutes for them to do a proper kickoff. So we're about two hours away from kickoff. And uh, so we talked to some folks. We grab some King of Pops, grab some water. It's hot as Hades outside. Uh, go check out our seats. We realize that I bought, <laughs> bought the tickets. Literally, uh, I meant to get top row because I like that view from the very top, and I like the flexibility of being able to stand up and, and not being blocking anybody or standing at the top row kind of behind the back row. And, uh, we sit and I got the two tickets literally sitting in the aisle, like the stairs end on, on our laps, which is fine. No big deal. So, uh, we, we sit and hang out, talk to some folks. I ended up with seats right next to some, some people that I knew. And so we just kind of had some friendly chit chat. Me and Ken hadn't seen each other in a few weeks. So we just talked stadium slowly but surely began to fill. Um, I'd say it got to its normal crowd around seven, 30 minutes before kickoff, maybe even six 45. Um, good people, good amount of people came out by the time folks still sh- showed up pretty late. I'd say it will, people stopped coming in around halftime, but, um, yeah, I mean, honestly, atmosphere was really, really good. Saw plenty of Swansea jerseys. I wish I had kept a tally of how many different club and national team jerseys that we saw because it would have easily been in the 40s. Easy. We saw saw jerseys from almost every Premier League club. Saw an Iceland, Icelandic national team jersey. That is either either statistics say that it is quite rare that we had an actual Icelandic person in Charlotte at Ramblewood Stadium last night. Or that's the fastest bandwagon fan <laughs> that I think has come out in a long, long, long time. Uh, pretty quick turnaround. But, yeah. So, uh saw a lot of jerseys. Had a good time. Chit-chat. I think we we had to grab water a second time before the game actually started just because it was so freaking hot. Game started. Kind of had a bet going like over under on the first game or the first goal, excuse me, 
Uh, I kind of, I bet 10, the 10 minute mark and, and had a few people around me take the under on that. Not a lot of us had high hopes for the actual scoreline of the game, but, uh, yeah, it did not, did not go well. Um, the first 25 minutes actually no score and really that first goal was not a whole lot that the keeper could do. John Burner started in goal and, and not a whole lot he could do. Honestly, I thought it was just a bad cross as it went over his head until it dropped down into the bottom corner or the and into the top of the corner. Um, and nobody, uh, you had a couple cheer. I mean, cause there was, there was a decent number of Swansea fans in the crowd, but Mostly it was just murmuring around the stadium of <laughs> that kind of like sheepish laugh when you're, you're not celebrating because obviously it's the other team, but at the same time you have to give mad props to the fact that the guy was able to curl a 25 yarder. And apparently I think he's in a, uh, I think he's an Academy product for Swansea. This was his first appearance with the senior team. I mean, I know the opposition is, I honestly don't know the level of opposition, like with USL, like does a USL, like a team, let's call it a minus Austin Yearwood started instead of Patrick Slogic at left back. Uh, honestly, but everywhere else it was a pretty, I don't know, pretty standard standard lineup. Uh, you had close in the midfield with Davidson. I don't think Ekra played at all. Herrera started. Brian Brown started. I'm trying to remember the wingers. Joel started at le- uh, right back. Close. I man cannot remember the two wingers that started. I know that in the second half, Estrada and Alex Martinez played out in the wings with Enzo in the midfield in front of man, uh, Hilton and somebody else. <laughs> Can't remember. But anyway, um, yeah, it was, you know, uh, that first goal went in and I was like, okay, not a whole lot we could do about that. Should the defender have closed in, not given him the space to be able to shoot? Sure. But you don't really expect this guy to be able to curl one in from 25 yards. So I'm not really going to blame anybody else. After that, the team, team pressed high. There was some legit scoring opportunities that the team had and, and just wasn't able to finish. But that's been true all season. I mean, we've been, getting by on very strong defense less so lately uh we can talk about that at a future time but i i thought the team overall looked pretty good but when you have and again like it's hard to say that um i don't know it's hard to say where exactly on like the talent level independence should match up with Swansea City's really like C team, especially by the second half where a lot of the goals came from. And it was fresh legs um, in the second half, a totally new starting 11 for independence. So they weren't tired. It's not like they got, you know, ran out of steam. But a lot of those goals in the second half came on the break. Independence just pushing forward. And the Swansea guys were just quicker and faster and a little stronger uh, a lot taller Swansea did make me realize just how short our team is Slogic at six foot six easily the tallest guy out on the field but yeah you know four nil not a great scoreline uh, but if you know your soccer I think it's easy to be impressed with how independence played but we will see, see how it goes. And, uh, honestly, like one of the biggest things that I would love to talk about with, with you, the listener is, do you think that this was a success? Is it good for Charlotte independence to have these events, to fill up the stadium, 
force most of the people coming out to the game to park in auxiliary lots and and be bussed over, sit through traffic, and watch a team lose 4-0, run out of beer at halftime. Uh, a lot of vendors struggle to get water and ice cool cool enough uh, for they could sell. I don't know. I mean, I, do I think that there's going to be more people at the game on Saturday against New York Red Bulls 2 than there would have been without this one's a game? You might see a bump. Still don't think that, I mean, like, on a, you hope that maybe we'll, we'll break over a thousand again on Saturday. With the weather, not even sure if the nights are in town. It's just so stinking hot. Uh, the sun isn't setting until 8.30. Temps aren't really going down until 9. And even then, it's still hot, sticky. I don't know. I just don't know if Charlotte's ready and, and willing to, to come out and support the team at the stadium with the amenities that it's got. And it's been a while since I've been at Ramblewood. I'll be honest, I'm less inclined to, to go out there myself. You can call me, you know... Call me a lame fan and or not a real fan, uh, but honestly, I can just do do what I like, which is engaging with fans online and on Twitter. I can do that a whole lot easier from home, watching a YouTube stream, turning goals and stuff into gifts, and yada yada yada. It's a whole lot more fun for me than sitting out in the hot sun, driving twenty five minutes one way. I don't know personal preference we all got them but just hours i mean i missed the article at the charlotte business journal it came out at noon yesterday seven and a half hours before the team kicked off in a full stadium for the first time ever but essentially news that the county under i mean this is how it's been understood from the beginning that Ramblewood Stadium is a temporary stadium and that it's never been a plan to make that permanent. If you ask, if you talk to the Independence front office, those guys believe that they're going to keep Ramblewood. They've had, I've literally, I've had conversations with multiple people in the front office. They plan on keeping Ramblewood. They planned on keeping Ramblewood around for youth teams for an, uh, maybe their own U2021 or U18 team for practices. And then yesterday, the Parks and Rec director, Jim Gargis, comes out and says, listen, like this is a temporary stadium. Their permitting ends at the end of this year. Like In the interview with him, he basically says, uh, like, to my understanding, this is the, the, their permit for that stadium ends at the end of this year. And it'll be the last season that they play at Ramblewood. Actually, let, let me line it up and, and play the first little bit. Um, this is rough. So, uh, didn't edit anything out, like haven't edited out any ums or, or tried to, uh, all I did was level out the volume on each side so we at least sound the same over the phone. But here's uh, the first bit of my interview with Jim Gargis, director of Mecklenburg County Parks and Rec, uh, talking about Ramblewood and the permitting issues. And so I wanted to uh, just ask you a few questions about uh, the proposed Memorial Stadium renovations. I know you, I was able to watch your presentation to the county commissioners uh, last week. And so um, I'll try not to rehash anything that um, you already (laughs) talked about, but... Um, and then I would also love to talk to you about uh, the the um, Charlotte Business Journal article that came out yesterday about uh, Ramblewood yeah, and then Matthew Sportsplex, the potential. Okay, so I'll I was well. Let me let me know if are are you allowed to kind of talk about like permitting at Ramblewood and that kind of thing, or is that kind of outside your area of expertise and I should ask them? Yeah, else? we don't do any of the permitting. I mean, I'm aware of it, aware of what they have to do, but, uh, you know, we don't handle the permitting. I think the main thing there to, which hopefully was clear is that the Ramblewood, 
um, set up for Charlotte Independence, that is a temporary permit that expires. Mm-hmm. So, you know, their whole plan, obviously, is to try and move into the stadium at some point. And then prior to that, uh, we've offered, uh, you know, the ability for them to play down at uh, Mecklenburg County Sportsplex. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, kind, of a, kind of a scenario for the thing. So this this ought to be, you know, unless there's some change in the permitting, their last season at Ramblewood. Okay. I mean, I mean, uh, that's it. I mean, yes, and he he said he, his department doesn't have much to do with the permitting. But they do approve it, and we're we're looking at July. We're we're I don't know how well I know this permitting takes a while, apparently, uh, based on what happened last year. Just trying to get the building permitted to get into the stadium. But shouldn't the Parks and Rec director know if the team is planning on renewing its contracts? I mean, I think he should. And yeah, the Parks and Rec doesn't operate like they they basically have a leasing agreement with another organization that actually runs Ramblewood. So there's a, there's multiple organizations that Independence has to kind of talk to and get permission to be able to to do this thing. I would be a lot more comfortable with this if Jim McFitty, Amy, when asked about it from Eric Spanberg at at the CBJ, if he had just said, we're not worried about the permitting, we're going to get it taken care of, we will be at Rainbowwood next season. Maybe he said that and Spanberg just didn't quote that part in the article uh, I'd like to think that Eric would, maybe not, but I'm, I can't, you know, I don't know, but Jim's only quoted in the article saying he's open to a move to the Matthew Sportsplex, and that he only needs two things. One, he needs the assurances that he can build really just erect a temporary bleacher stand to bring capacity up to 5,000. That doesn't seem totally undoable there there's an open according to the renderings that i've i found on mecklenburg county's website there's an open end behind one of the goals just erect a a large bleacher to i don't know how big does a bleacher have to be to fit uh 2500 people that's probably a large bleacher so i don't know i don't know how he would do it but he would need assurances that they could make that happen with the the existing stadium at the sportsplex and that he could sell beer. And he said beer and soccer go hand in hand. They're, that's very important to him to be able to to sell beer and, and alcohol at the stadium. Which is the right call. Oh, that light is awful. Just kidding. But... But he didn't, he didn't say no. So it, it, Jim allowed us to have this conversation today to basically say, yeah, like the team could not be at Rimblewood this time next year. Could be playing in Matthews. Yeah, it's 10 minutes down the road for me. My, uh, my office literally has an entrance to the sportsplex 50 yards down from our front door. So, I mean, it's convenient for me. Is it best? For the team and is it best for the fans I don't know there was a lot of discussion on Twitter this morning when I posted uh, my article talking about Eric's Eric's article on the CBJ a lot of people think it would be a bad move a lot of people think that you know like they would lose the team would lose their business totally understandable if if you live on the opposite side of the county if you live you know you live on the west side of the county you don't want to have to drive 485 potentially in you know weekday traffic if you don't want to come through uptown to get out to matthews 
then you know you, the team could absolutely lose lose your ticket and your money. I think some people just don't want don't like the idea of driving out to a suburb. To that people, I say the sportsplex is only a mile farther, according to Google Maps, than Ramblewood is. I think they're both pretty suburban. There, there's a few square miles that you can really call the city center, and Ramblewood is not it either. So I, I pardon me if that complaint kind of falls on deaf ears. Now, if you happen to live closer to Ramblewood than you do to the Sportsplex and you don't want to drive that extra 10, 15 minutes, then, you know, that's that's a decision that you make and I'm not going to judge it because I make the same decision about going to Ramblewood some weekends. I mean, that's just the the game that you play as a team trying to set all that up and trying to make decisions. But again, I want to say, I think a couple people got confused that that the team might be moving to the sportsplex anyway. When it, it really, it probably won't fix the problems that we don't like about Ramblewood. Yes, it'll be a permanent stadium, so it'll look a little nicer. Parking will probably be around the same. I mean, you're you're talking a a facility that the parking was probably made for what its capacity is, which is about twenty five hundred. We're going to need to double that in order to follow league regulations. Is parking going to be able to handle 5,000 people? Now, let's be honest. Is a stadium ever going to need to fit 5,000 capacity? Maybe if Independence continues to make this summer-friendly thing an, an annual thing. I could see that selling out. But other than that, I mean, no. I, I don't think that's a worry that the team will necessarily have to make. Saw a couple people say that the the young professional isn't going to want to come out to the sportsplex to watch a team, and I can understand that. I can understand why a young professional wouldn't want to go watch at Ramblewood either. I also feel that young professional is an easy way of saying a person who has expendable money wants nightlife, and wants to drink and probably get drunk. And, you know, I have my own thoughts about that. It's getting pretty dark, and I feel like I need to put some light on the situation. Yeah, that's much better. Anyway... would love to know feel free to give me a call on the hotline you can give me a call at 704-780-4667 the number is also on your screen if you would like to give me a call this is a live call in show would love to take a call chat with you you can ask a question you can just give me your feedback just saw that uh Zach Dick put in a question on the YouTube chat, and I missed. Uh, seems like Independence already invested a lot of money into the wood, and that money would all just be thrown away. Absolutely. 100% correct. Does that suck? Yeah, it sucks. But according to everything that I've heard from the county, and they, the team should have known that, that they weren't purchasing a permanent stadium that the permitting from the beginning has been a temporary stadium. And uh, the team has, con I mean, when I talked to team officials during the building process, they confirmed that it's a temporary stadium. They required special permitting. They specifically scheduled their USL preseason games at other venues so that they could get their permitting as close to their first home game as possible. So in case the team does make a playoff push, that they can still play in Ramblewood because the temporary stadium permit only allows for them to be in for six months out of the year. That's what dictates a temporary stadium. If they were going to stay in longer than six months out of the year, they would need a different kind of permit, uh, something for a permanent structure, which the county and the Ramblewood Park Committee isn't going to do. They don't want a permanent structure there. 
I actually asked Jim Gargis that, you know, like, would they be open to having that facility there? Let's play that part of the clip. It's just, uh, like a minute. So how, on your end, how has, how has that gone as far as having the team out at Ramblewood? Like, is this, has this been a positive thing for the, the parks and rec department? Um, are you, um, is, is there, is there some kind of situation where, like, are, are, are you guys leaving some of those stands up, like, permanently, like, to be able to have kind of almost, almost like what you built down in Matthews at the Sportsplex, kind of a, a No, there wouldn't be any plan that I'm aware of that. The facility, Ramblewood, is ran by the Ramblewood Board under a lease agreement with Park and Recreation. So we approved through the Ramblewood Board. Uh, the ability to have the Charlotte Independence play there. I don't believe any of that, uh, uh, any of that facility would stay in place. I'm not, I don't think that's the intent. I wonder if any of it actually could be purchased by the board, uh, from the Charlotte Independence. I'm not, I'm not aware of that. They may have some discussions about it, but. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, again, this is the director of Parks and Rec. He should be in the know. County owns that land. It is owned by the County Parks and Rec Department. They lease it to this other board that operates it as basically it's a soccer facility that they use for youth tournaments, adult tournaments, and the such. But right now, the Parks and Rec Director isn't isn't aware of them buying the facility and right now based on permitting independence just can't just leave it there and when they leave they're taking the whole thing down they have to so i i don't understand how the team has had this notion that they're just gonna have this stadium available forever that they're gonna be able to have their youth teams there, that they're going to be able to hold practices, that they might have like a preseason game there so that, it, you know, in their brain, Memorial or Ramblewood could be full while they're playing at Memorial for like their regular season games. I don't know. There's just a lot of, a lot of independence things in this conversation. And I hate that that has had to become a like, a standard line for independence fans to have to say, yeah, you know, independence things. When me and my friend Ken walked in the stadium and found out that we had to walk all the way across to the other side of the stadium to get our free t-shirts, even though the gate was open, independence thing. When they ran out of beer at halftime, even though the game was projected to sell out for a while I mean the day before there was plenty of time to let vendors know hey like we're expecting 4,000 plus people just independence things I'm not saying that it's the well yeah I am saying it's the team's fault that the vendors didn't have enough beer because ultimately the team is the people taking the blame for that I don't blame OMB for running out of beer do I think it sucks? Yeah, but ultimately, like, it's the team's job to make sure that their vendors are properly prepared to handle the the sales that are coming in. OMB lost money. The team lost money last night because they ran out of beer. If I was the team, here's what I would have done. They knew it was going to be upwards of 90. They knew the humidity was going to be bad. Would have set up a tent. Their uh, Coke, Coke's, or they're sponsored by Coke, would have gotten some Dasani from their sponsor, put them in a bunch of uh, those tall ice buckets, and I would have sold them for at, at least match the other vendors. But you only sell water at that tent. You're you're hold, you're freeing up other lines to be able to just sell the wares. Cause I mean, like I had to stand in line for 15 minutes behind people buying hot dogs and bratwurst just to be able to get water bottles. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's whatever positive note to talk about Rimblewood. 
it was awesome to have 4,100 people there last night. It was really cool. I snapped, I snapped a couple of pictures and, and I said like, Hey, like, I'm sorry that I'm not like focused on the game for like this little bit, but I got to take pictures because I know that this isn't going to happen again for at least another year until the team has another friendly, just the reality of it. I had to take pictures because it was really cool. It was awesome for in, in the second half when the team was down on my end, the, the stand behind the goal to have independence kind of surge forward as soon as we got in the lower third and it looked like we might have an op, a, a chance at a shot on goal, the whole stand stood up, ready to watch the action, ready to cheer. That was incredible. Like People were staying focused, were watching the game. It wasn't like a Knights game where you might not even realize that the team hit a home run until 10% of the stadium starts cheering because everybody else is just there hanging out, enjoying, enjoying each other's company, enjoying the weather, enjoying the view. Like... People in the Ramblewood Stadium last night was watching the game, and that was really cool. It sucks that it doesn't happen on a more regular basis because this is a fun team. The, the players out on the field give their heart every, every single game, and it stinks that they can't get 4,000 people out there to watch the watch the regular season games, the ones that matter, that it took Swansea City coming to get that many people. Because to me, Swansea City isn't that huge of a draw. It's just that the team put in the proper amount of marketing behind this one game to get people out there. And they came. And if the team was willing to put in the amount of effort and the amount of work into the game they put in last night in a Saturday's game against New York Red Bulls 2, would you see 4,000 people? Probably not. Would you see more people that's planning on being there <laughs> Saturday night? Absolutely. I think last night was proof that when you put in the effort, people will come. I think the team thought, we'll build the stadium and the people will come. And it has been proven to be a falsehood for the past year. I don't know. Let's listen to the rest of my interview with Jim Gargis talking about uh, we, I shift over to Memorial Stadium to talk about the renovations there. So, so we, yeah, let's let's switch over to to Memorial then. Um, uh, so, your your presentation to the the Board of County Commissioners last week, I thought went really really well. I thought you handled yourself very well. Um, with, and I'm sure that you do presentations like that frequently and so you know the which county commissioners are probably going to ask questions and who to kind of prepare for um but what was it like for for the parks and rec department and and pulling together all of this stuff for the presentation um how long have you guys been working on this to be able to present it last week well i think actually it began with a public meeting we had in 2011 so there's been continuous discussion about, you know, the future of Memorial Stadium and what it'll look like actually since that time. And so it's been a, you know, what I'd call a positive journey. Uh, you know, it just takes a lot of time to get, you know, a project like this teed up and ready to go. I think the fortunate thing that's happened, you know, when we started in 2011, there weren't, weren't any other partners that were really interested in helping us. Right. Uh, it was really county park right? Well, let's see what we can do. And then, you know, fortunately, you know, Charlotte Independence comes around as a result of the Charlotte Hounds, and soccer starts to really grab hold. I think the Charlotte Regional Business Authority and City have always been interested, obviously, you know, certainly CRVA and sports tourism and what that means. So, that always was on, you know, more tourism around sports was always on their radar, but not so much, you know, early on in terms of how that might play out at Memorial Stadium. So it's really been, a, you know, a great turn of events. Uh, so, we're, you know, we're pleased. Uh, we had a lot of conversation with the Historic Landmarks Commission. Of course, that's a big, big piece. We've had a lot of conversations with uh, the American Legion post here on 
and how to really recognize our veterans and, and not forget why the stadium was built and who it was built for. So this whole this whole historical journey and being able to really revive the why behind Memorial Stadium, that, that's also a big piece. And I think a lot of people are interested in that as well as, gee, let's have soccer. But, you know, our whole thing is that, you know, if you don't do something with Memorial Stadium, you know, as I mentioned, it really won't have any future. And then you lose all of those recreational and community and social event opportunities that the community's had here since way back, you know, 1936. So the place and the activities it provides are very, very important, I think, to the community going forward. And I think the Board of County Commissioners agreed. Uh, so, I mean, I felt really good about that. And I think we're on a positive, you know, uh, trajectory to make it all happen. So that that positive pr- trajectory, what exactly are the kind of next steps? Like what, what happens next over the next, let's say, like three months? Because there wasn't, I mean, sure. really, I was surprised, oh, this this is the end of the presentation. It just like everybody kind of seemed to ask questions. There didn't even seem to be kind of like an end to the conversation. It was just someone, uh, the the county manager said okay on to the next thing so so what is kind of the next steps for for you and for the rest of the um the team kind of presenting this project to the county uh what are the next steps well what we're doing now is working on the funding and use agreements for both crva and charlotte independence so getting those agreements approved by the board that's the next step and once the agreements are approved, and we hope to bring it to the board if we can, you know, keep chewing away. This is a difficult time. Everybody's on vacation and trying to get paperwork agreements done. But, but I'd like to be able to bring the agreements to the board county commissioners, you know, sometime uh, in early September uh, to get their approval. Once Once the agreements are approved, that tees up the funding mechanism for the stadium. And then the next thing is you'll bring in an architectural team and start the public process and and the full design process. What we've done is what we call preliminary design. So we'll revisit that a little bit once we have the design team on and then go down the road to actually get it designed, approved, and built. So that's really the trajectory that we're on. And so my hope would be that, uh, you know, prior to the end of the year, we'll have our uh, design team on board. We'll have started meetings with the Historic Landmarks Commission in the Elizabeth neighborhood, and we'll start that public process and really be ready to go. So, uh, you know, I think I mentioned, you know, the construction manager at risk uh, option. And also during the design phase, uh, what we would propose is that we actually choose a builder for the stadium. And that you select, and that builder comes in, and they actually help you in the design process. So all of that should track, you know, uh, through the end of this year and into the first part of next year. And then uh, your hope would be you actually start in the construction. So theoretically, uh, if everything works correctly, uh, you know we should be uh, we should be under construction sometime in uh, 2017. Um, I, I know a lot of the the commissioners kind of got hung up on the actual design that you guys kind of presented sure. to them, and um, sure. I, and and as you said, that was kind of like your preliminary design and I'm, I'm sure that there will be right. be changes um, but right. but is is base, is the basic kind of the layout of what you guys had in the presentation kind of like a, a horseshoe with you know low right. low seating close to the action right. the grass berm right. seats is that all stuff kind of like right. maybe not non-negotiables but that's what you guys are after when it comes to the design well that's that's the only yeah that's the only way the stadium will really work i think what uh, what they were really referring to and you know, historic landmarks would as well 
you know, how through a what I'd call dismantling of the stadium, the current stadium, how do we preserve and, you know, reinstall some of the historical elements that are currently in the stadium? So that's what they were talking about. Mm-hmm. The fortunate thing that you didn't hear is, I think this is the craziest idea in the world, and I'll never vote for it. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I'm glad that wasn't a yeah, mic. You know, where, what, yeah, where you put the you know the rock wall and some of the other elements, we'll work on that with the Historic Landmarks Commission. And so I know we can come up with uh, an acceptable design, you know, that uh, recognizes the history and people will be happy with. So I, I don't I don't look at that as too much of an issue. And, and you, you did have a couple, some some pushback from from a couple of the commissioners, but I, I feel like it was all very aesthetics based. Easily, like, like you said, they yeah. were getting hung up on yeah. the stone wall, yeah. and that is not you know that was not a deal. Like what you guys had in the design was not going to be a deal breaker for anybody on the oh, table, no, I think. And no. so, yeah, they would you know if they would have got hung up on doing it at all. That would have been an issue. I didn't anticipate that because we've been talking about Memorial Stadium since 2011. Right. So there's been a lot of conversation about it. And, and also when you bring partners to the table that can help with the funding, you know, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it's not very often, you know, that you can really get serious money on a project like this. Uh, you know, from other outside sources. So that, that, that means a lot. And I think it also brings a lot of validity to, well, why are we doing this? Uh, you know, we're not the only ones that think it's a good idea. And that helps. Uh, it makes a big difference with board members. And I think it certainly has with, you know, the rest of the county administration. So, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, very, very excited about the project and, you know, it, it, to me, it's it's this ability to take a you know historical facility and a great recreational venue, and then turn it into something that is just going to be outstanding mm-hmm. for you know the next fifty, sixty years. I mean that that you don't get a chance to do that that often. You know, we'll build new stuff, and that's fun, and that's good. Uh, but when you can really keep something and a spirit alive in a particular place, that that's really cool. Absolutely. Um, and let, let me ask you one, one. I wanted to butt in here before I play the last question that I asked Jim, because I I kind of get away from the just general design and the aesthetics of Memorial Stadium that are out currently planned. Right now, I think it's it's good to hear that the county, city, and and Charlotte Independents are already talking, and they're working out the paperwork for the their user agreements. Basically, this is the agreement uh, the agreement that the county is uh, and the city is signing with Charlotte Independents. Um, probably the hounds are tacked on tacked on there somewhere. But from what I understand, it's, it's kind of independence sitting at the head of the table that they're, they're already working out exactly how they're, they're going to be able to use the stadium. Independence, bare minimum, they're going to want to use Memorial. Let's say there's 15 regular season home games. Let's, you know, the, I think max they might need to host 25 events. That seems... I, uh, counting midweek games, like open cup games, like if they made a deep run in the open cup and happened to host, if they made a deep run in the playoffs and hosted the whole way, like hosted the championship game, I think max you'd probably see probably like 20, 22 home games. But some of those are going to be, you know, mid, mid, uh, midweek games. But right now, the county and independents are figuring out who gets preference. Right now, the Hounds and independents, their seasons are overlapping. I mean, there have been weekends where Hounds games have been on the same Saturday. So is the ownership group going to prioritize independence games over Hound games? 
and the Hound Games are going to have to pick dates for their season after Independence picks theirs. Are Hounds Games going to have like 1 p.m. start times and get the game over with and kick everybody out and switch out vendors, switch out ad boards, stuff like that, before a 7 p.m. kick time? I guess that's an option. Then you decide, you know, high school football games are going to be happening on Fridays. Um, they Maybe the team can just work out a deal where they, they don't play Friday night home games with the league. What happens on a Wednesday night? An open cup game gets scheduled two weeks out. And maybe there's, a, I don't know, field hockey, cheerleading competition, youth soccer event. You know, there's a lot of different events. So they're they're hammering out the paperwork to get that taken care of now before they even go any farther. So I think that's a good sign. They're, uh, Jim, I, I can't remember if he says it in this. Uh, if I think he just said it. That he's, he's hoping to take their user agreement and basically be able to make this a real thing with the county next month or in September. So in the next couple months, we should be able to see the team in the county uh, parks and rec in front of the board of commissioners, and hopefully the the commissioners sign off and say, "Yeah, this this looks good. Like we're willing to put in the money. Let's start spend 2017, the rest of 2016 and 2017 doing design work, construction, uh, preliminary construction, hiring of a builder, and maybe demo starts sometime next year." Um, had a couple people talking to me, like talking to me online, uh, on Twitter this morning saying, okay, well, uh, well that's an official timeline, but what is it actually going to be? What are expectations? I have every expectation that it's going to hit one of the two deadlines, whether if they go with the faster paced schedule, the construction finishes at the beginning of 2019 in time for the USL season or the not fast paced schedule. And it finishes in like August, September of 2019. I know the Mac project, the rebuilding of our, our local swimming facility stayed on schedule. Pretty sure. No reason why they couldn't do it again for Memorial stadium. There's no reason to think that it, this isn't really, again, this isn't an independence thing. This is a County thing that independents are, are a part of, but are might be the main tenants. But, okay, let's talk about, let's listen to this last question. It's going to last about three and a half minutes because I, I really want to talk about this this last bit from Jim. Last question. Um, yeah, sure. I, I, think, um, I, I, I think one thing with the use of public funds, everybody wants to make sure that Memorial Stadium doesn't become a venue simply for private use and so sure, so for the sure. people that might be listening to this are, are are generally going to be all soccer fans and they're you know and i've had these conversations over the past week of trying to get people to understand that that memorial is is not the it, like while it yes it might someday become the permanent home for charlotte independence it's it's not just the permanent home for charlotte independence it's a it's a community venue that would be used for community events throughout the year so can you just talk a little That's bit of, about that yeah. of like how is it how how does this work for both independence who's coming to the table and and bringing a, a you know a third of the the proposed budget but is it's still going to be a, a something that the county and the city can use, and that's why there's so much public funds coming to the table. Well, I think you know. I think the first thing for everybody to understand is it's not just a soccer stadium. Mm-hmm. There never was a single activity stadium, even since 1930. You know, since the open 1936. Right. So, you know, as I mentioned, any type of field sport activity you can play, you'll be playing there. Whether it's field hockey, women's lacrosse, uh, football, all of these activities, you know, have been or continue to be in the stadium. 
and the use agreement that we signed with the independence that formalizes that. We're not about to turn over a public asset uh, to anybody. It's a public recreation facility, and that's exactly what it's going to remain. Now, we've got some great tenants, just like the Hounds play lacrosse in there, and right. Charlotte, and that's me, it's wonderful. You know, but we'll also be booking all kinds of other events. You've got, you know, you've got youth soccer, youth programs, other adult activities, I mean, concerts, I mean, all the kinds of things that we used to do there years ago. You've got all that capacity back. And, uh, I mean, that, that's to me also exciting. But it is important that people realize that it's a public facility for public use. And there'll be a whole variety of different types of activities that will continue there. That is, I mean, it's important. Like I've, I've been trying to say this for the past week when people get upset at the idea of turf or the, you know, start talking and questioning this memorial deal. I, I'm in full support of this renovation deal, including the use of $16 million in public funding because it's going to remain a, a community venue. It's not going to be what, you know, I, I went back and watched, uh, last night with John Oliver's great, um, great bits, not the right word, the great segment about public uses public use of funds for stadiums mainly NFL stadiums he talked about a couple NBA and NHL stadiums obviously things like uh I'll, I'll talk about MLB specifically <laughs> Miami Marlins uh well for the Marlins is a pretty sweet deal for <laughs> their new stadium <coughs> but um obviously MLS and and this kind of deal is not on that radar and it's not on that level to be perfectly honest, but this is definitely not that this is not the use of public funds for, uh, turning over a stadium and losing all the revenue streams to a professional sports team. This is absolutely, this is a, a weird case. This is a professional sports team spending their own money on a venue that they will not own, that they will have, no rights to other than this use agreement that they are signing. We don't know the details of that use agreement. Obviously that's going to come huge into play for how this deal works out for independence and those that are only the, the fans that are only concerned with how independence gets the good end of this deal. I still think Memorial is a amazing, uh, a renovated Memorial is an incredible thing for Mecklenburg County and the city of Charlotte in general forget independence. I think that this renovation deal would be worthwhile without independence's $8 million. If instead of splitting three ways, the $24 million budget, if the city CRVA and County split it two ways, I, I still think this is a deal worth doing because right now Memorial is decrepit. Nobody wants to use it. The hounds are the only regular tenant in it. High schools don't want to use it. Youth clubs don't want to use it. Nobody wants to go there. You spend this money, renovate it, make it something that people actually want to use. And all of a sudden we've got another revenue stream and another great, another great place for a lot of different cool events to happen. Similar to BB&T Park. I mean, yeah, it's mainly the Knights Stadium. The Knights own it and were able to sell the rights to it. It's a little different, but hosting things like All-Star Games, hosting things like concerts, having fireworks out. I think it's, you know, I think Memorial would be a great deal. But honestly, like, Gar just kind of put a huge dent in what we have all thought Memorial was eventually going to be, which is part of an MLS bid. Now, the parks director 
isn't the end all be all, but from my, from me watching that meeting with the Beckleburg County Board of County Commissioners, I think Gurgis is right on the money. Memorial Stadium is a public asset. It will never be, it will not be turned over. It's not being turned over to a professional sports team to be used for one type of event. It's going to be and always will be a public venue. Does that mean that Memorial can't be used for an MLS team? I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a question that we need to ask. If the county uh, the county operates the stadium, the city technically owns it. I don't know. Could the city sell the stadium to independents? If an MLS bid happened and McPhilly was able to bring in a lot more deep pockets to be able to make MLS functional and happen in Charlotte, I I, I don't know. I re- like that is some murky gray area. Where where does the city's responsibility for the stadium start and stop, and where does the county's? I don't know. But I think it's a question that we need to start asking. Now, we might find out in September when the use agreement becomes, hopefully it becomes public, and we'll be able to see exactly what kind of deal that the team has for its use of the stadium. But I don't think MLS is going to let a a team play in a venue that it doesn't own, not by the time the independents would ever enter the league. Yeah, like historically, there have been teams that played in publicly owned venues. Namely, like right now, DC United and RFK Stadium. Right now, Orlando's playing in the Citrus Bowl while their own stadium's getting built. Everybody's being transitioned into their own soccer specific team owned stadium. And they're not going to let a, a new team or a new club in without that. And so I think they're any stadium that independence plays in, it's going to have to be owned by the team. And for independence, is it worth spending the $8 million to renovate Memorial to use as a USL stadium if the plan isn't to turn it into an MLS stadium at one point? According to Spanberg's CBJ article, the team lost $2.2 million last year. They're projected to lose another 2.2 this year. Just based on running running the team, players and staff salaries, lease agreements, all that. $2.2 million. I would assume they're projected to lose another 2.2 next year. I don't see anything changing. So what this ownership is in to not to make professional soccer reality for the people living in Charlotte. They're here to make money and they're here to bring MLS to Charlotte. And they have said from day one, September 17th, 2014, it's all about Memorial baby soccer is coming back to Uptown Charlotte. Don't know. I I didn't like coming. A friend told me about this CBJ article last night at the game. Did not enjoy coming home after, you know, a pretty great night at Ramblewood to reading that article. And then, you know, I really appreciate Jim Gargis getting on the phone with me this morning and talking to me, but I mean, that's a money quote right there at the end, guys. Memorial has been and always will be a public asset. So I don't know. Danielle Smith in the YouTube chat asked if we had a market to support it, could we already be using Jerry Richards Stadium at UNCC with a capacity of 15,000 like FC Cincinnati does? Would it be an interesting option with the blue line extension to the university area finishing in 2017? Yeah, absolutely. I think the team doesn't like, doesn't want to be playing on turf and on a football stadium. Pretty sure those lines don't come up. 
uh, wouldn't look good. But they're apparently already willing to be playing on turf at Memorial Stadium. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed. I know for a fact that they wanted to be playing at UNCC's soccer stadium before they built Ramblewood. And they offered the, the, the school a decent amount of money to basically rent out the soccer stadium for the rest of the year. And the school said, no, this facility is to be used for our students. It needs to rest. Its grass needs to rest over the summer. And we're not going to, you know, downgrade our scheduling in order to host you guys. I have a feeling they'll probably say the same thing about the football stadium, especially when college football is played on Saturdays and the seasons might overlap right there at the end of the season. Do you want to move all of, like, do you want to have a playoff game on a Sunday? The game, the, the day after uh, UNC Charlotte home football game? Do you just cross fingers that they got an away game? I don't know. So, I, you know, FC Cincinnati is, when we when Independence first started, the the model for being a success was Orlando City. And Orlando City was still very successful in the three years that they were in USL before making the move to MLS. But, man, FC Cincinnati is killing it right now. They've got 30,000 tickets sold for their friendly against they're friendly against uh, Crystal Palace. That's, I mean, that's just bonkers, guys. I mean, that number is, you know, it's 30% over, I think, their record for a regular season game. But I think their regular season, they, they have, like, the Lee record for the top two or three matches. I think they've broken it at least twice this season. It's... They're doing some great stuff up in Cincinnati. You should go back, uh, find the Crown Town cast on, on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app uh, and, and find my interview with DJ, their director of communications up there. It's absolutely fascinating how well a USL team, when it's run by people, uh, by soccer people, well, actually, if you go back and listen to the interview with DJ, it's really good. And I think it'll answer answer some good questions about FC Cincinnati. Yeah, lots to talk about. I mean, Memorial, Ramblewood, Matthew Sportsplex. There's a lot going on in Independence Land, and none of it seems to be super positive. And that sucks. All right, guys, been streaming now for almost 45 minutes. That well, I think YouTube is lying to me because there's no way it's. I started this thing at like eight, so it's been an hour and fifteen. But thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, thank you guys, for, uh, those of you who are on Twitter or in the YouTube chat asking questions. Hopefully, I'll be able. Uh, hopefully, this streamed well enough to for me to download this and convert it into audio and put it on the podcast feed. But I'll also lo- leave the video up on YouTube to watch later. And if you really liked it, uh, let me know, uh, and we might try to do this again. I might play around with the equipment.